Hi, everyone, and welcome to Undocumented History, an online video podcast focused on educating others about Asian culture and history while also amplifying Asian voices and stories. I'm Tiffany Zane, your host, and today we have a very special guest, Madeline Milka. Ms. Milka is the president and CEO of the Asian Pacific American Institute for Congressional Studies, and she is also the founder and principal of Aram Group LLC, a democratic consulting firm specializing in political and nonprofit fundraising. Ms. Mulka, thank you so much for being here today and taking the time to join me. Before we start, is there anything else that you want to add regarding to what you do and who you are? Well, thank you so much for the opportunity, and I think you pretty much summarized it very well. I agree. Um, Basically, I'm just going to jump right in with a few questions, and then we'll kind of see how it goes from there. So I guess my first question is to establish like a little bit of background information. How has your racial and gender identity impacted the way you have tackled the political world? Well, I was born in Vietnam. My mother is Vietnamese and my father is of German ancestry. So my last name is German. Um, We were one of the last American families to leave Vietnam um, in 76. Um, We left on a commercial flight and came to the United States um, Mm -hmm. as American citizens. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, my growth as a adult and into adulthood, um, I was fortunate to have such a multicultural background and Grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland, which is just a suburb outside of Washington, D.C. And that in itself was um, a great way for me to see leaders um, from other communities, um, especially from the Black community, um, and see them as people who have influence and um, also have the ability to see them as role models. So Mm -hmm. wonderful opportunities for me to to have that growth. Um, And then when I became... um, a college student, um, I went to school in the South. And so being in New Orleans also gave me a better understanding of what that means to live in a different part of the country and mm-hmm. um, also be a part of a community of leaders who um, we were all in elected positions um, by the time I was a senior in 1993. And the entire executive board of the student government was uh, made up of women and all from different backgrounds. And mm-hmm. so Um, from the engineering school, business school, um, liberal arts, Mm -hmm. uh, black from a black woman from Atlanta and engineering school, um, Mm -hmm. a woman in the business school from Nebraska, um, a Jewish woman from Florida. And so that was a really great way for me to also experience having diverse leadership um, Mm -hmm. and um, a lens of all of us being women. So my background itself, even though I identify as an Asian American woman, I also feel that it's important for us to be um, in community with a lot of other uh, of our colleagues and peers um, and people who can be seen as role models from other communities. Wow, that's really interesting to hear. Um, Yeah, I kind of understand the part about being surrounded by different cultures. But I think for me, since I do live in like a majority Asian neighborhood, um, but the school I go to is mostly white because I go to a private school and it's not like near where I live. I feel like I kind of feel that, I guess, like intersection of cultures and like being around different cultures, because like at my family, we speak Chinese and my parents um, immigrated from China. So they're really in touch with their heritage and roots. But then at school, I can experience like, I guess, like, a different kind of culture. So I guess I kind of relate to you in that sense. Um, so I guess my next question is, um, you haven't simply worked in the political world. You have been a leader and trailblazer in the world of politics, elections, and lobbying. 
Um, I guess what my question is, how did you develop the resilience and grit to keep going? Uh, I had the good fortune of having, having parents who really instilled in me a, a level of confidence of uh, myself and my abilities um, and preparing me to enter any room knowing that I belong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think part of the resilience comes from um, seeing my mother go through her life where she was the oldest, she is the oldest of nine and mm-hmm. uh, came to the United States and brought all of her siblings and their families here to the United States, um, you know, after many years of separation. So family reunification um, was a major uh, challenge for my family and trying to get them here from Vietnam. And so I think in the sense of seeing what my mother went through, um, the things that I go through, I feel don't compare. And so um, I think in the sense of understanding that um, there are much bigger issues in front of us. Um, and although every one of us has the right to feel, um, you know, the challenges that we have, um, understanding too, that there are folks who have to deal with a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, and being able to, uh, remind myself that I can, um, bounce back in moments when I feel like I'm not at my best. And so, um, thinking of, those people who have done so much more to get me to where I am today um, mm-hmm. helps to remind me that um, I can do more for those who are coming after me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely so inspiring to hear. And I think the part that really resonated with me is like your parents and like how people have like sacrificed so much to like get you where you are. I think that really resonated with me because my parents, they, as I said before, they came from China. And I guess my mom she was like kind of poor I guess so like they were able to come to America and like build a life so I think that part was really inspiring and also I resonated with you um I guess my next question talking about APAX now um part of APAX mission is to promote Asian American Native Hawaiian slash Pacific Islander participation and representation at all levels of the political process um as like the CEO or like Yeah. How do you ensure that APAX is fulfilling its mission? So we have a great group of people who support us through our board of directors um, and partners who work with us to ensure that this mission is being accomplished every day incrementally, um, even though it might seem like it's at a snail's pace. Um, The people who we work with um, Mm -hmm. spend their time volunteering, um, their expertise, they really help us in making sure that we are reaching out to community members and leaders who uh, have networks of people who um, can see APAX as a resource. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's so important to us to make sure that our community is visible and that those people who are underrepresented and marginalized, that they have an opportunity to have a platform to be able to use APAX as a way to get into public service. And more than anything, we're here to be of service to the community. And Mm -hmm. so uh, when we have uh, individuals and groups who are interested in participating in our programs, we get so excited because we know that um, there's a probably good likelihood that uh, they will stay in public service and that we will continue to see their career in 
public service in a way that can start when they're in high school or if mm-hmm. they're deciding that they want to run for office um, as a mid-career uh, pivot. And so I think it's an opportunity for all of us within our community to feel like they have um, a resource in APEX. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so interesting to hear. Um, this question was something that I really wanted to ask you because when I was looking at the APEX website, I saw like such an expansive list of resources for people, like the programs, the internships and events that APEX offers was like just so mind blowing to me. And I guess like part of it was like, I was just wondering how APEX was able to provide so many resources. But yeah, like after listening to you talk, I think I like find it no surprise that APEX was able to like successfully follow its mission statement. Um, yeah, so I guess my next question is we're in an, okay, so we're in an age of extreme political divide. Um, how does that contrast to when you started politics as a teen and today? So our, one of our co-founders is the former secretary, Norman Y. Mineta, and Mm -hmm. he highly believed in, uh, bipartisanship. Uh, one of his best friends um, is a Republican senator from Wyoming who he met when they were both young boys um, mm-hmm. in the unfortunate um, situation of of when the secretary was incarcerated as a child um, in, in an internment camp at Heart Mountain in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, childhood experience with his friend, Senator Simpson, continued on as adults. And mm-hmm. they disagreed on a lot of public policy and mm-hmm. still held each other in high regard as personal friends. And so mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to mm-hmm. remember that even though we might have disagreements, there's probably good intentions. And generally the, the idea is to be able to find ways to have good arguments mm-hmm. because you're meant to argue on public policy. It's supposed to be a robust and dynamic discussion about uh, ways that we can find solutions to fix the problems and challenges that we have in this country. Not everyone's going to agree in the method. And so being able to do that in a way where uh, we are not attacking one another, we are not mm-hmm. issuing statements of you know personal attacks, we are not generalizing any particular community, Um, We're not doing harm to any other community when it comes to their existence. And so this is a part of going back to just being able to see each other as individual human beings Mm -hmm. and um, getting to know each other in a way that says, you know, my name is Madeline, your name is Tiffany. We want to be able to learn more about one another. Where do we have commonalities? Where do we have um, alignment in agreement on things. And from there begin to figure out where can we find ways to help one another? So I think the difference is really, we've moved away from some of that Mm -hmm. personal relationship, um, and really, um, don't see each other as individual people who Mm -hmm. really come to this, um, with good intentions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think, like ever since 2020 in the pandemic, I think that like there has been a lot more political polarization, I think, because people have like more different opinions now and more stronger opinions. So I think that I think definitely what you said, like still being able to listen to each other and being open minded is definitely something that we should still keep in mind, like no matter how much you disagree, I guess. I guess part of it's just like 
agreeing to disagreeing and making sure that even that we can still have like open conversations and be open-minded. So, yeah. Yeah, um, because it's really about sharing each other's lived experiences mm-hmm, and respecting definitely. that. You know, my experience is different from someone else's experience and me being able to listen to them and understanding mm-hmm. or at least try to understand what they went through, even though I myself did not go through it, is to be able to just listen to them and acknowledge and respect that that is something that they went through. Mm -hmm. And that empathy is also sort of lacking in the sense Mm -hmm. of saying, uh, I don't know what that means in my own personal experience. And yet at the same time, I want you to know that I value what you're saying to me. And how can we make sure that when we look at public policy, that those experiences are also being considered in the public policy that is being created? Because a lot of times what representation means is not having that particular voice in the room when you're talking about the impact of a public policy decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I think part of like the lack of empathy is probably with like social media and the internet. I think it's when you're not speaking to someone like face to face, it's easy to like forget that the person you're speaking to is like human too and also has feelings. So I think yeah. part of it is just like technology and um, digital stuff. But yeah, um, I guess my next question is, so you have your own political consulting firm called Aram LLC. Um, can you please tell us about that experience of like launching your own political consulting firm? Sure. So um it's on hiatus now as I work mm-hmm. at Apex. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started it, I was 29 years old and I had it basically in, as an active uh, consulting firm for 16 years. And uh, I had reached a point in my career where I didn't think that I wanted a job in a partic- any particular organization mm-hmm. uh, and wanted to actually be my own boss. And so mm-hmm. I started my firm and that allowed me the opportunity to work with a diverse roster of clients. And it allowed me to work with people that I knew that um, I might not necessarily agreed with them a hundred percent on their campaigns, but allowed me to choose who I worked with. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it brought a lot of fun things in terms of my day to day. I didn't have to work on the same thing every day. And, um, you know, it was an opportunity for me to work with people that I enjoyed to work with Mm -hmm. in terms of other consultants and other colleagues who worked for um, the different clients I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. I I feel like launching or like starting your own like firm or whatever, it's really hard. But I feel like at the end of the day, when it's something that you launched or it's like yours, it's like really rewarding to see. And just like you get more control over it, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess my last question before we end off, um, what is your advice to Gen Z AAPI teenagers trying to advocate for change and join the political landscape? Well, I hope that you stay enthusiastic about politics and what it means to be in public service. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important to listen. It's it's one of the things that Secretary Mann have talked a lot about in the sense of his parting words of advice was basically listen more than you speak um, mm-hmm. so that you can hear other people and learn from them. Mm-hmm. And so I would pass on his 
his words of wisdom more than anything else than my own, just because I think it's important um, to know that that is a lifelong uh, tip. Um, so even when uh, you're a teenager to now, you know, in, in my age of, you know, hitting the AARP card holder, I think you're basically still always learning and always listening and letting other people who disagree with you have an opportunity to tell you why they believe in that, those things. Um, because I think that's really a lesson for all of us is to continue to learn and listen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think that was definitely really inspiring. Um, as someone who's like trying to advocate for change through my YouTube channel, I think what you said about like, you can always learn and like listening really resonated with me because sometimes I just like want to like do, do, do without like, you know, like listening to other people. So I think that part really resonated with me. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? Like any closing comments? Well, thank you for the opportunity to join you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Apex has a tremendous amount of programming for young people. We have a high school program uh, that brings people here to Washington, D.C. to learn um, from the different institutions that create public policy and the different stakeholders mm-hmm. who play a role. And then we also have our congressional internship program that we have in the summer and in the fall. Um, And for those people who are in community college or undergraduate or graduate programs, as long as. Oh, I think you froze. um, Or post-grad. We also run a program to take you to um, Japan um, with the Japanese government called the Kakahashi program. So uh, definitely lots of things for young people. So I encourage them to take a look at apex.org and sign up for the newsletter. Wow, that's so great. Um, I feel like we had a very interesting conversation today. Um, Ms. Milka, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with me. And also thank you so much to everyone at home watching. Um, Yeah, thank you so much. And I will see you next time. Bye. Okay. Um, Let me try. Oh, here we go.